Well, hi. Uh, I'm Lyndon. Uh, stoked to be uh, preaching tonight as we finish up First uh, Thessalonians. Uh, it's been an awesome book. Um, why don't we pray uh, as we start? Uh, Father, thanks for your word. Thanks that it's uh, living and active, that you speak to us through it. I pray that tonight you would speak to us again. Uh, I pray that our hearts and our ears and our minds would be ready to hear from you. And I pray that you would encourage us with the truth of who Jesus is, and you would help us to have uh, an expectation for the day to come when we get to see your son face to face. Amen. Well, if you'd just been told that the end of the world was imminent, if you could be actually sure that it was all about to be over, what would you do with your final hours? If you'd been told that the world was about to end, uh, what would you do with your final hours? Would you try to spend all the money that you've got in your bank account? Uh, Maybe you'd try to go to a certain country that you've always wanted to visit to uh, finish off your bucket list. Or maybe you'd want to spend as much time with your friends and family as possible. Well, here, Paul has just finished explaining that the return of Jesus is just around the corner, that it's all about to be over. And so Paul tells the Thessalonians three things that they're to be doing as they wait for Jesus to return. Firstly, he tells them to be a people who follow. Secondly, a people who are in gospel community. And thirdly, a people who are trusting in God's faithfulness. If you want to stand firm in your faith, then you need to follow the godly leaders that God has appointed over you. We need to be people who follow. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 12 to 13 says, Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. All throughout this book, Paul has been saying to the Thessalonians, hold on to the truth that you heard from us. Uh, In chapter 1, he tells them to continue to be imitators of us and of Jesus. And in the same way, we need to follow Jesus. We need to follow our leaders who are teaching us and leading us in truth. You see, our leaders have a responsibility to be holding to the truth, to be teaching truth, but it's our responsibility to follow them, to listen. We need to be good followers. What does it mean to follow well? How do we, how do we be good followers? I think often uh, there's, there's two poles, there's two kind of extremes uh, when it comes to following leaders. Uh, on the one side, you've got to, you kind of become groupies. You go, we only follow Rowan. We quote him in our everyday lives. Uh, we, we, we call him uh, Pastor Rowan Hillsden. We take, take a photo of him and make it our cover page on our Facebook page. We <laughs> worship, we idolize Rowan. And then you have the other extreme. We're reluctant to follow. We, we cut them down. We uh, disregard. We question his authorities, Australians. So we go, oh, I don't really want to listen to him. <laughs> we have an issue with authority. So we don't let him speak into our lives. I think these are the two kind of extremes. I, th- I think it's possible for us to esteem leadership too highly. 
But it's also possible for us to not esteem it enough. Whereas a good follower, a good follower listens. They respect their elder, I respect their leaders, sorry. They regard them highly, they love them, they encourage them, but they test all things. A little bit later in this passage, Paul says, test all things in verse 21. You see, a good follower isn't a blind follower. We're not called to take every word that uh, comes out of our leader's mouth as truth. But we're to test all things against God's word. And so a good follower will follow a leader who follows the word of God. Did you get that? A good follower will follow a leader who follows the word of God. So that means that if we have a godly leader, then we need to respect them. We need to listen to them. We need to let them speak into our lives. And so when things are said that are hard to hear, that kind of cut to our character, we need to listen to them. Why? Well, because God has put them in, a pos- in that position, a position of authority to hold to and to teach truth. God has put them in that position. Notice here, though, that it doesn't give the, the title of the leader. It doesn't say uh, respect and follow elders or, or the bishop or the overseer. It simply says the person who labors among you, the one who leads you in the Lord and admonishes you. And so Paul here isn't saying only respect, only hold in high regard your senior pastor, but he's talking about all leaders in the church, all leaders who are doing this work. And so that means that we need to respect and we need to love our connect group leaders. We need to respect and love the executive committee that look after the finances at church, the end drivers who are looking after the different areas Because these are the people who are leading us also. They're the ones who are are working amongst us. They're the ones who are in our lives. They know us. They're encouraging us and challenging us in our particular situation. They're leading us in the Lord. They help us to live uh, a life that honors God through example. They're walking the talk. And they're the ones who admonish. They're the ones who correct and advise and love and in humility. And so we're called to hold our leaders in high regard, not because we like them, but because God has put them in authority over us and because they have a deep, deep desire to see all of us standing firm on that last day when Jesus returns. Notice here, just at the end, uh, in verse 13, Paul adds... Be at peace amongst yourselves. It's interesting that he adds this uh, after, se- after a section of describing the end times we've kind of heard over the last couple of weeks, when often that's the thing that can kind of cause fights amongst us. It's the thing that can kind of divide us. But in God's spirit-directed wisdom through Paul, he writes to remind us that as we think through end times, make sure that you're at peace with one another. And so if you're coming to our Look to the Future seminar, don't come expecting and wanting to win your point, but come with a mindset and a desire to be at peace. I think this is a a good principle. 
that we, we spend our time trying to understand what someone else is trying to say before we kind of start with our 18 points of rebuttal to their position. We need to seek to understand where others are coming from. Man, when I started dating Abby, I had a massive problem with this. Uh, Abby and I came from slightly different churches. Uh, and as we uh, started dating, started talking about stuff, we disagreed on a couple of, bit, a couple of things. And I was just gunning for the win. Man, I was absolutely adamant that I was right, and I just wanted to win. And I actually really burnt her. I'm surprised that she stuck around. <laughs> but she did, which is awesome. Because <laughs> she's the bomb. Um, it wasn't until I stopped and I actually listened and actually sought to understand what she was, where she was coming from, that I was like, okay, I, I see this. We were able to have a, have a conversation. We were able to do that in peace. Uh, she was able to challenge some of my thoughts, and I was like, yeah, I think you're kind of right here, but we were able to do that in a peaceful way because I had actually sought to understand where she was coming from. And so we are called to be a peaceful people. We're called to be united as God's people through love for one another because we were first loved. Well, the second thing that we need to do while we wait for Jesus' return, Paul says, is to love one another. We will only stand firm to the end if we are in a gospel community. Uh, nowadays, the word community can mean a variety of things. It's kind of used in a whole uh, different amount of ways. But here, Paul shows us what true Christian community looks like. And I tell you, it looks beautiful. You see, God created us to be relational. He created us to be in community, to enjoy one another, to encourage one another. Uh, as the famous expression goes, no man is an island. God has designed life in such a way that the only way to stay firm is to do it together. And so here Paul outlines what true Christian community looks like, and it might be different from what you first thought. Have a look at verse 14. And we exhort you, brothers, uh, warn those, those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. True community is intentional. We're to warn, we're to comfort, to help, and be patient. You see, community isn't just about hanging out with your mates. It's not about uh, having dinner outside with a, on a big, long table, and uh, there's all fairy lights around, there's lots of colorful food, everyone's smiling, and the perfect song that represents community is playing in the background. Community isn't about being in harmony with one another. It isn't about living in a neighborhood where all the kids play together, where everyone shares what they have. You can go over to the neighbor's house and uh, grab some milk or, or some spices for your cooking. Now, while all of these things are good and, and elements of these are in community, true gospel community is so much more. You see, gospel community is about people. It's about people with a common unity, and that unity is Jesus. But the thing is, people stray. People stumble. People are deceived, and life can get hard. It can be disappointing. It can be confusing. 
But Paul's idea of community is a people that are pursuing what is good for one another, one another making sure that we live in the light, that we're ready for Jesus' return. And so this means sometimes that we need to warn instead of comfort. Sometimes we need to have hard conversations with each other out of love and humility. Sometimes we're in situations where um, our perception and our view of how we're living and how we're acting can get warped. And it takes a really good friend to come along to look at things objectively and to actually go, hey, I want to chat to you about this on some of the issues that we have. They warn us. But then there's times when we need to help one another. There's times when we need to go out of our way to help and it might be uh, 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 offering to babysit for a mother that's just absolutely exhausted. It might be to help uh, some other people in church move into a flat. It might be donating some furniture. But you see, we can't formularize our commitment to others. You can't decide, I'm going to be the warner. I'm going to go around and warn everybody for all the different little bits of in their lives. Gosh, how many of us would love to have that job? She's like, oh, what's, what's wrong with your life? Oh, just, just need to warn you about this. We can't do that. It doesn't work like that. We need to do all of these. This means that sometimes we need to be patient. Relationships and, and working with people, it takes time. It's, it's hard work. It involves patience. There's no quick fix. It involves time and energy and commitment. It's intentional. This is what gospel community is. Have a look at verse 15. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Man, what is on display here is amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It's a people that so desire to see their brothers and sisters standing firm on that last day that they pursue what is good for one another and for all. They warn, they comfort, they help, they're patient. This week, um, I went to a funeral uh, for a lady that I, I used to lead youth group with when I, in the church that I grew up at. Um, she died of breast cancer. She uh, was barely 50, uh, left behind a husband and four kids between the age of 20 and uh, 15. Uh, it was tragic. And went to this funeral, there was about 700 people that was absolutely packed. Um, and what we saw was a church that was grieving, that was heartbroken, that was mourning with this family. And, and, and the underlining theme of the whole our funeral was this. Trust God. Continue. Don't lose faith. Persevere. Stand firm. Remember that God is good. Even in this time of deep, dark sorrow, God is still God. He is still good. Jesus is enough. And man, it was so obvious. It was a time of sorrow and also of celebration. Man, she loved Jesus. She served Jesus with her whole heart. I can't wait to see her in heaven one day. But this was so obvious. 
This was gospel community, the church encouraging this family that even in this time, and they were with them, they'd spent the time, they were loving them, they were crying with them, mourning with them, they were saying, remain, remember who God is, persevere to the end. That's gospel community. Being committed to others means that sometimes you just need to be there. It means sometimes you'll have to sacrifice your time just to listen. It means sometimes you need to share what you have for those who are in need. I wonder what kind of commitment do you have to God's people? I wonder, do you long to see those who are sitting around you tonight standing firm on that last day. You know, to my shame, uh, there's times when I don't have that commitment. There's times when I'm tired, when um, I'm just comfortable. I think, oh, someone will go and chat to that person uh, after church, or I'm selfish, I want to go and spend time uh, with my friends, the people that I know, that, that I'm comfortable around. But that's not committing to and loving the church. That's idolizing comfort. But I need to remember that I have a responsibility to you all. And it comes straight out of the passage from last week. If I am living for the day when Jesus returns, then I need to be encouraging, I need to be urging all of you to continue, to stay awake. Man, I need you to be doing the same for me. How do we order our time after church? Uh, wh- what do we talk about? Do we kind of go straight out of church and just uh, find the people that we know that we're comfortable with and just kind of shoot the breeze, just chew the fat, talk about nothing? That's basically what that means. Or do we intentionally try to have deep conversations? In our conversations, are we, are we trying to warn or, or comfort or help or be patient? Do we look for the person uh, that's a visitor, that's new? Do we look for the person who's not talking to anyone? I get that this can be intimidating, that some people find it easier to talk to people that they don't know than, than others. But maybe that means that we only actually talk to two people after church. We go and chat to the person that we know and we have a deep conversation, actually asking them how their relationship with God is going and encouraging them. And then maybe we take that friend and together we go and find someone new or go chat to someone that's not talking to someone because we see the importance of that time and the amazing opportunity that we have as we're all together and to actually be in each other's lives. You see, our focus and our priorities change from what's comfortable for me to how can I love and encourage and build up others. This is the great privilege of being in gospel community. It's about pursuing what is good for one another and all. That's why we've set up structures uh, at church to help make things easier, to show the importance of being in community. Things like connect groups, things like EV men, like mystery lunches. Because we see and we've experienced the importance of having deep relationship with others. 
Who are the people in church that you have a deep relationship with? Who are the people that you know, like you really know, and that you ask regularly how their relationship with God is going? If you don't have people like that uh, in that way uh, in your life, then I want to encourage you to pray that God will provide someone in that capacity. That, and I want to encourage you to actually look for someone that you can invest in, that you can pour time in and, and, and uh, pour your life out to, maybe in your connect group or, or at church. But it is so important that we have deep relationships with one another, that we are encouraging and spurring one another on so that we continue. Imagine being in a church that loves one another in a radical way. Imagine being in a church where people helped provide for one another, where people laughed with you, where they cried with you, where they celebrated with you. Where people genuinely wanted to you just people genuinely wanted to see you grow in your love for Jesus. Where people cherished the word of God, where they were patient and did everything they could to see you continuing trusting in God. To be in a church where people prayed for one another regularly. Man, isn't that a church you want to be part of? Isn't that a group of people that you want to walk life with, that you want to share your life with? I do. And you know, to the outside world, this is going to look different. Uh, This is going to look attractive. When the world looks in, they're going to see a bunch of people that are defined by something different. Paul tells us that as Christians, we want to be defined by three things. Have a look at verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's people are to be a joyful people. To be living uh, in the reality that Jesus is returning and that we are called God's children. Now clearly this verse isn't saying Pray every single second of every single day and constantly be rejoicing no matter what. It's not saying that. But it is saying that these need to be key characteristics of our lives. That we need to be defined by these things. I wonder, could you be praying more for your connect group? Could you be praying more for one another at uni church, for people at morning church at St. Luke's EV, praying that they would continue, that they would, be, uh, that they would grow, that they would stand firm to the end. I don't know about you, but as I kind of read this list and, and read this part of the passage, it kind of starts to feel a bit depressing because I see how far off I am from this list, from being this kind of Christian. But have a look at the end of this verse, at the end of verse 16. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is what God wants for your life. God makes it possible to rejoice uh, always, to pray constantly, to um, give thanks in everything. 
He makes it possible. Why? Because he has willed it to be so. This kind of life is possible. This kind of life is possible. Well, Paul goes on. uh, Verse 19 to 22, he says, Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. One of the roles of the Spirit is to help us uh, in our Christian life. We're God's gift to one another. And people so often talk about spiritual gifts and, oh, what what gift do you have? Or, I want this gift. or, Or, I want this gift. But, friends, we are that gift to one another. A gift of God's Spirit-filled believers to encourage and build up one another in the truth of who Jesus is. To be joyful in all circumstances. To remember that we depend on God to, to pray to Him. Paul goes on, don't despise prophecy. Here Paul clearly thinks that our prophecy is a great thing. But it might be a little bit different than what you think. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and, and 31, Paul tells us that prophecy is about speaking to inform, to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort people. And as we've seen clearly throughout 1 Thessalonians, the way that we're to do that is by speaking to people about Jesus and about the hope of the gospel. But these words are not to be blindly accepted. They need to, they need to be tested. Their authority is only grounded in how faithfully they reflect the word of God. So to reject false prophecy is not to be quenching the spirit. But to refuse godly counsel is to quench the spirit of God. Well, the third way that Paul tells us that we're to stand firm, that we're to be waiting for the end, is through remembering that God is faithful. As we hear all of these things on standing firm to the end, it can feel overwhelming, but it's God who does the work. Have a look at verse 23 uh, to 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who uh, who calls you is faithful and who also will do it. God is the one who sanctifies us through his spirit. It's his work of purification. And when Jesus returns, it's Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians that they will be blameless. But you see, being declared blameless on the last day is not based on our works, on the things that we've done, but it's based on God's works. It is done in Jesus. Our holiness is 100% God's work. If we treat Jesus as king, then we can know that we are holy in his sight. Never get into the position where you think that it's what I do that gets me into heaven. It's what I do that kind of keeps me close to Jesus. Because it's what Jesus has already done. There is nothing we can do. And it's because of what he's done that we are free. We're free to love, to encourage, to live for Jesus. And this is uh, the community that the gospel creates. We are a gospel community by the work of God for the work of God. 
He who calls you is faithful. Do you believe that? You see, this is the key to freeing us. It is finished. He is faithful, and so stand firm. Like, really stand firm. Let the gospel, the amazing news uh, of who Jesus is and what he's done, transform you. If you've not yet put your uh, trust or your life in Jesus, then hear this call today. Come join this community. Put your hope in Jesus and experience the great freedom to live with the true and living God as your Savior and as your King. This is how we are to wait for the return of Jesus. To be expectant. To love and care. To follow our leaders. To deep, be deeply committed to communities that Jesus creates. Man, what a privilege it is to be part of a community like this. Why don't we pray? Father, you are a great and pow- the great and powerful God. And it's so amazing that we get to call you Father. We thank you so much for the salvation that has been offered to us and that on the last day we can be confident as we stand before you. Father, help us to stand firm. Help us to do everything we can to encourage and urge one another to stand firm to that last day. Help us to be in gospel community. Help us to follow our leaders, to love them, respect them, to listen to them. And Father, help us to remember that you are faithful. Thank you that it's through your work, through, your, through the Spirit that we are sanctified, that we are made more and more like your son. And Father, help us to live for that day when we will get to see you face to face. Amen.